My message today is entitled New Every Morning. Some of the most powerful words in Scripture can be found in what seems like the most unlikely places in Scripture. But isn't that like God? God shows up the most powerfully in very unlikely places at very unlikely times. God makes promises that seem to fly in the face of what you're experiencing. To Abraham, he said, you're going to be the father of many nations. He didn't have any kids at all. God makes these promises to us that in the natural, they don't make any sense at all. Today, I want to speak to the person who feels that you have been or that you are being afflicted. And if you and I could sit down and talk honestly face to face, perhaps you would say that you have a problem with God. Perhaps you would say, Pastor, there's things that I don't understand. I'm going through things. Or perhaps you would know that God has a problem with you. If you were honest, you would just say, there's issues between me and God. If that's you, I have a word from the Lord for you today. The scripture I'm going to talk with you about is one of those unlikely words because of the context it's found in, okay? You know, there's certain places that you expect to find something of great value, of great treasure. Sometimes things seem out of place. They just don't seem to fit the location. And that makes them kind of, you know, even makes their beauty even greater. But the verse that I want to read to you, I'm not going to give you the text, but I want to share with you the words It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now let me break that verse down for you. The word that's used to describe God's love means loyal love. The loyal love of God that is firmly fixed in place. It is not moved. It is not shaken by circumstances. It is not shaken by situations. It is not shaken. This loyal love of God is firmly established in place. That's the kind of love that God has for you. And his love for you never stops. Hear me today, my friend. God is committed to you. I don't know if you're committed to him but he is committed to you. I don't know if you're dedicated to him, but he is fully dedicated to you. He has a passion for you. He goes on to say that his mercies never come to an end. When it talks about his mercies, that is his compassion and his kindness towards one who is an offender, towards an enemy, towards one who is under one's power. God's compassion and his kindness, his tenderness towards them never comes to an end. In fact, here's the beautiful thing. Every single day, you may wear out. You may say, well, this person has worn out the compassion of God, the kindness of God, this mercy of God. They've used it up. No, every single day when you wake up, there is a new supply of the mercy of God that's available. It's kind of like when you look in the Old Testament, the manna. Every day they would go out and they would eat and they would take their food and they would eat it, it would dry up. And when they got up the next morning, 
every day there was a new supply for what they needed. That's how the mercy of God is. Every single day you think, well, surely they've drained the bucket of God's mercies. Surely God's mercy, his kindness, his tenderness, his love for people, surely it's drawing close to an end. And the scripture says that it's new every morning. Then the writer exclaims, great is thy faithfulness. When he understands what God's mercy is about and he gets a picture. Listen to me, friend. Don't let your circumstances, don't let the darkness of your cloud, don't let the difficulties that you're going through now blind you to the mercies and kindness and compassion of the Lord. Don't let them keep you from seeing who he really is. Because sometimes whenever people are in a difficult situation, they lose sight of the love of God and the mercy of God and the kindness of God. When I hear that verse, I'm going to just tell you what I think. When I hear that verse, it kind of reminds me of something that perhaps someone like Solomon or David may have written. I can see Solomon penning these words and I can imagine Solomon lounging in the gardens of his beautiful palace. As his servants bring him food, they just bring out a, just this beautiful array of food. I can just see Solomon there with like this big supply of food laid out before him. He's in the gardens of one of his palaces with beautiful plants growing. And one of his new concubines is there rubbing his feet, sitting there. And, and he starts to pontificate. Oh, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. As he's in this beautiful environment. But that's not where it's found. The next thought I thought is, well, that's probably David. David probably writes that. After another one of his victories. Another time in which they go out to battle and come back. And here comes his generals and his leaders bringing him back. The spoils of war. Here's some more chariots and here's some more horses. Here's the carts full of gold that we brought back. And I can imagine David sitting up on a hill. Perhaps the very place where the temple was soon to be built. Sitting up on the hill, looking down over the hill at his palace. And maybe perhaps flocks of sheep and herds of cattle, and fields that were planted and ripe with the produce of the land, and him looking out over at all of the blessings that God had brought into his life. But David broke out his guitar. He's not just sitting there. He has his guitar, maybe a Martin, maybe a Taylor. I don't know. I doubt if it was a Fender. They didn't have electricity back then. But, you know, I could see David breaking out his guitar and starting to write down a few words. David's there and he starts to play on his harp or on his lyre and he starts to sing these songs. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. And then he starts singing, they are new every morning. I can imagine David saying that as he looks out over all of the beauty and all of the blessings that God brought in his life. But as I told you, that's not where this verse is found. What makes this verse so powerful and so special, what causes it to stand out, is the context in which it's found. It's like a beautiful flower out in the desert. This verse is found not in the Psalms, not in Proverbs, but this verse, it's not found in a place of victory. 
Rather, it's written by the prophet Jeremiah at that same place. I thought it was David up on the hill. I thought it was in that season. I thought it was in that, in Jerusalem at a season of blessing. But friend, it was written at Jerusalem in a time of great sorrow and great pain. The writer is Jeremiah. And as he laments the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians, as a result of the continual sin of the people of Jerusalem and Judea, the consequences of their sin have finally caught up to them. Sometimes it takes a while for consequences to catch up to us. Sometimes it takes a while. In the garden, God told Adam and Eve, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden. You can eat anything you want here, any of the fruit that you want here. You have free access, but only of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You must not eat. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. James 1.15 tells us that when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. The people of Jerusalem did not believe God's word. They continually rejected the call to repentance. And now I want you to hear this. The natural consequences. Everybody say natural consequences. The natural consequences of their choices had come upon them. What they had sown, they were now reaping. It was straight out of Deuteronomy 28. Not the first part. The second part of Deuteronomy 28. Listen to these words from Lamentations chapter 3. He says, I am one who has seen affliction under the rod of God's wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Against me alone, he turns his hand again and again all day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away and broken my bones. He's besieged me and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulations. He's made me sit in darkness like the dead of long ago. Listen to what he says. He's walled me about so I cannot escape. He's put heavy chains on me. Though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He's blocked my ways with hewn stones. He's made my paths crooked. He's a bear lying in wait for me. He's a lion in hiding. He led me off my way and tore me to pieces. He's made me desolate. He bent his O and set me as a mark for his arrow. He shot into my vitals the arrows of his quiver. I've become the laughingstock of all my people, the object of their taunt songs all day long. Listen to what he says. He's filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. He made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I've forgotten what happiness is. So I say, gone is my glory and all that I'd hoped for from the Lord. The thought of my affliction and my homelessness is wormwood and gall. My soul continually thinks of it and is bowed down within me. Some of the quick things that he says, I'm trapped. 
I'm trapped. There's no way out for me. I've lost all hope. I'm in a place of bitterness. I'm in a place of pain. I'm being eaten alive. The catastrophe that overtook Jerusalem was not an action of a heartless God against an innocent people. Jerusalem brought about her own destruction because of her sin. She reaped what she had sown. When she turned from God to pursue her own idolatrous ways, she did not consider, she didn't think about the future. All she thought about was that moment. As is true with many individuals, Jerusalem did not seem to realize that sin and disobedience leads only to death and destruction. What did God tell Adam and Eve when they disobeyed? What did he say to them? When you partake of that fruit, you're going to die. Sin always brings death. Listen, so many people, they get kind of thrown off here because maybe if you grew up in church or you've been around, you hear that and you think, if I do it, I'm going to die, and you do it. But it's kind of fun to do it for a minute. Anyone tells you that sin isn't pleasurable? The Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a season. It's pleasurable. It's for a season. But so many people think that the minute that they do it, that they're going to die. Well, I did it. And so they think that sin doesn't lead to death. They think that it doesn't have the consequences because for a while they seem to escape it. For the young people, I wish, sometimes I don't want to go back and do stuff over. I'm ready, Lord, I'll just go on. Thank God when we get to a point, I'll tell you why I don't want to go back because of the verse, what it says. For many people, they're shocked by the fact that sin brings death. They're shocked by the fact that as they continue doing their own thing with the children of Israel, God allowed the consequences. He told them earlier, if you do this, this will be the consequences. This is what's going to happen. One commentator wrote, God is not the author of evil, nor is he a supreme sadist who delights in afflicting punishment on others. But God is righteous. So he does not allow sin to continue unchecked. Listen to this. Sin exacts a horrible price for those who enjoy its temporary pleasures. Jerusalem abandoned her God to experience those pleasures. Now Jerusalem was paying the cost. Suffering, exile, betrayal by allies... Death by starvation. Mothers eating their own children. If you read the second part of Deuteronomy 28, God told them of the curses that would come upon them if they rejected his word. And God is faithful to his word, my friend. He does not lie. He said to them, if you reject me, if you deny me, if you deny my words and do what you want, this is what's going to come upon you. Read Deuteronomy 28, friend, and then read this portion of Scripture, and you will find that it's almost word for word what took place. It's not surprising. God told them this is what you will experience. Now, you might be in a difficult place today. You may feel like you've been afflicted. That you're suffering the consequences of wrong decisions that you have made. Or you might be in a difficult place today and you may feel afflicted 
but you're suffering the consequences of somebody else's wrong decisions. Sometimes we experience pain and suffering that doesn't necessarily, you know, every time that there's pain and suffering, it doesn't mean we've done something wrong. It doesn't mean we have sinned. Now, I want to say this. There are some people that you need to get it right. You need to get it right today. There's some pain that people bring on themselves as a direct result of your sin. There's no other reason for it. There's no other cause for it other than rebellion against God. There's no other reason. You know, you can't say it happened by chance. No, bro. It's your fault. You can't say it's somebody else's fault. No, it's you. When that's you, God will show you that, that this is a direct result of you being an idiot. This is a direct result of you not listening to my word. This is why you've lost it all. This is why you're hurting. This is why this problem is in your family or in your life. And it can be directly related to disobedience against God. But not every time we go through a difficult time is it that we've done something wrong. There's times where it is. And when it is, we need to own up to it. Because if you don't, you're just going to keep going around that same mountain again and again and again and again. You'll be blaming everybody else and ticked off at God. And it's you. If you find yourself in that place, that you say, Pastor, I've been an idiot. I have good news for you. You may find yourself living with consequences. They may be a direct result if we trace it back. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. You can trace it back to that choice that you made, that decision that you made, that attitude that you had. And when you did it, God warned you. He told you. He tried to stop you. He sent people your way. And you were rebellious and you were stubborn. And you can trace it back to the day. There's people in the room who can trace stuff back to the very day when they made up their mind. They hardened their heart. I got good news for you. There's hope for you. Jeremiah found it. Hear me today, woman or man of God. It doesn't have to stay that way. I am so glad that I serve a God that it doesn't have to stay that way. God made a covenant with you and he is going to keep his word. Lamentations 3.21. Here he is in the midst of the ugly situation. In the midst of destruction, in the midst of pain, in the midst of people eating their babies, in the midst of being carried into captivity, in the midst of being triumphed over by their enemies. Jeremiah says this, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Listen, the steadfast love, the loyal, unmovable love of Almighty God, it never ceases. His mercies, his tenderness and his kindness towards an enemy. His tenderness and his kindness towards those who have offended him. His tenderness and kindness towards you and me never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Every single morning. Listen to me. Every single morning. I don't care what situation you find yourself in. 
His love never ceases and his mercies never come to an end. So you say, Pastor, I keep making stupid decisions. Well, he still has mercy for you. He has tenderness and kindness and forgiveness and love and grace. Pastor, I've done it for 15 years. Well, he's got another 15 year supply. He has an unlimited supply of grace and mercy for you and I. He says, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I'll hope in him. Listen to what he says. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. Skipping down to verse 31. For the Lord will not reject forever. Although, notice what it says. He caused grief. He will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love, his loyal love. For he does not willingly afflict or grieve anybody. Do you hear that? There's some of you, God's afflicted you, bro. God's afflicted you, sister. He didn't do it willingly. God says, I don't willingly afflict you. I don't willingly bring pain into your life. I don't willingly allow the consequences. Can I say to you that I'm talking to some people today who God has rescued you again and again and again and again. Hundreds of times he has taken away the consequences that you should have experienced. He's protected you. It was a law of sowing and reaping and God intervened and cut that off so that you didn't suffer what you rightfully deserved. But there comes a place where God says they won't learn by my grace. They won't learn by my kindness. So I guess the consequences of their actions, the pain of their actions is how they're going to learn. And because he's completely devoted to you, because he's completely loyal to you, because he's never going to turn you away, because until the day you die, he is going to be pursuing you and calling you to himself. He will allow the consequences of your sin to grab a hold of you, in some ways destroy everything but your soul. Because he cares about your soul. You may lose a good job. That is all right. You may lose a beautiful family. But friend, there's one thing that can never be replaced. That's your eternal soul. You can lose a job. You can lose your finances. You can lose your reputation. You can lose everything you've worked for all your life. But what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And what can a man give in exchange for his soul? And so you have a faithful God who loves you. And he had a faithful God who had made a covenant with the children of Israel, with Jerusalem. And he said this, if you obey me, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to also make you a promise. Every time you're rebellious, every time you disobey, every time you go your own way, I'm going to bring pain into your life to awaken you to your sin so that I can bring you back. It's his kindness. That's his kindness that actually that that he allows us to suffer pain. Do you know there's some people who have parts of their body that no longer feel pain? And they can touch up against things and they can burn their hands or burn their feet or burn their leg and never even know that they're destroying their own body because they, they don't have the pain. It's not God's anger, his wrath, it's his love for us that allows us to experience 
the pain and the consequences for our sins so that he can redeem our souls, which is of most importance to him. As I said, you know, a lot of times we get our eyes on what's important in this life. He cares about your eternal soul. Did you hear that? God's never going to forsake you. His loyal love or his covenant with me. His covenant was to bless me when I fully obey and follow him and to never quit bringing pain when I disobey in hopes of leading me to repentance. Why don't you turn your Bibles quickly to Deuteronomy 28. I want to read the word here for you. Listen to this promise. You say, Pastor, I'm under his affliction. I find it. That's where I'm at. Those mercies new. You don't have to wait to New Year's. You know, a lot of times people get excited about the 1st of January because it's a new beginning. Every morning that the sun rises up, it's a new beginning of God's grace for you. In fact, you don't even have to wait till the sun goes down. The day that something happens, you can call out to him. He has new mercy available to you. He has new kindness, new grace. As I said, you can have a lifetime. You can have a lifetime of playing the fool, and God's mercy is new for you every single morning. That's what he says in Deuteronomy 28. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands, I give you today. The Lord will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you. Notice what it says. If you obey the Lord your God. This is what it says. It says you'll be blessed in the city. I like that. And blessed in the country. I kind of like that. Whenever I read this, the fruit of your womb will be blessed. And the crops of your land and the young of your livestock the calves of your herd, and the lambs of your flocks. Your baskets and your kneading trough will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you come in, and you'll be blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but will flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns, And on everything you put your hands to, the Lord your God will bless you in the land he's giving you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people as he promised you on oath. If you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to him, then all the people on the earth will see that you're called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity. In the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, the crops of your ground, and in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the works of your hand. You'll lend to many nations, but you'll borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be on top and never on the bottom. Don't turn aside from any of the commands I give you this day to the right or to the left following other gods and serving them. When you go home, I want you to read the second part of Deuteronomy 28. It says, if you disobey the Lord, you're going to be cursed in the country and you'll be cursed in the city. Here's what it comes down to. 
Obedience brings the blessing and the favor of the Lord. Disobedience brings the consequences and the discipline of the Lord. And because he loves you and because he's committed to you, he will fulfill his word. I want you to expect. It's funny when you get a, when you get a good church kid who grows up in church and every time they try to do the wrong thing, it just blows up in their face. I laugh about it. Man alive. Every time I do something, I get caught. Every time. You know why? Can I tell you why? Because of the faithfulness of God. Oh, thank God. He's faithful. He's not a man that he should lie. Listen, you're his. Hear me, my friend. You are his. He's bought you with his blood. He's purchased you. He's redeemed you. He's not going to let you be happy in sin. He's not going to let you be happy in rebellion. He's going to bring the pain. He's going to bring the suffering. He's going to bring the sorrow and the grief. Why? Because he wants you back in right relationship with him. You're his. And he's not going to stop bringing pain into your life, into your friend's life who has been called by him. He's not going to stop until he brings them back home into the fold where they belong. Why? Because his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Father God, I thank you today that you've promised us You've promised us that we have new mercies every morning. I pray, God, that you'd open the eyes of your people to show them just how wide and high and deep is the love of God. That they would understand, Lord, that you have a love for them. You have a loyal love for them that cannot be shaken, that will not turn away. You will continually pursue them. And bring them back into right relationship with you, Lord. You will be faithful to your word. And if they find themselves in a place where they're being afflicted by the Lord, where the consequences of their sin are becoming unbearable, where their disobedience is just biting them, I pray that they would awaken to the fact that the mercies of God are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We love you today, Father. We thank you that you have called us. I thank you, Lord, that you're doing a work in our lives that will not stop until you complete the work you have started. Be glorified in our midst, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you guys.